Touch them all, Joe! Sidney Crosby! The golden goal! Everyone, welcome to the second episode of the Backstage Project Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Silver. In this episode, we have Dave Crixt. Dave is a longtime friend of mine. We worked together at TSN. We crossed over at Rogers Communications together. We went to Sleepaway Camp together just north of the city of Toronto. Dave has really made a name for himself doing things that weren't popular, that were uncommon. And as you're going to hear in the episode today, the risks that he took really paid off for him. And I'm so proud of what he's been able to accomplish. I hope you enjoy the episode. Dave, welcome to the Backstage Project podcast. You're certainly no stranger to podcasts. In prepping for our chat today, I went into the, the Wayback Machine, and it seems like you're producing, if not being featured in podcasts, since 2013, before I even probably knew what a podcast was. We didn't bring you on podcast today to talk about podcasts specifically, but you know, since we're on the topic, why don't you just give us your thoughts on podcasts? Let's look at it from a content medium point of view, just as a warm-up question as we, as we get into more... <laughs> more insightful and historic parts of your life. Uh, thanks for having me, Slaves. Um, can I call you Slaves on this? You, you call me Slaves, I'll call you my man D, DK. Uh, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I, uh, I'm a big fan of podcasts, obviously. Um, and more and more, what I'm finding is that it's becoming part of my daily routine and fitting in in other places, not just for our, you know, where audio used to exist, but sometimes where video used to exist. It's to me, it's it's audio on demand, and it's lots of different kinds of audio, and filling different content needs that I have, and and from storytelling to news, uh, and I'm sure you know all the popular ones, but it's becoming part of my daily routine more and more, mostly because of the mobile device, right? So we carry this phone around with us everywhere, and and when I want to just listen to a story or uh, more in depth podcasts, I can do that depending on the situation. So yeah, I mean. It's fan of podcasts. It's a uh, it's a great medium. I find myself now. It's more listening while I'm walking because I'm not driving so much at the moment. But yeah. it's uh, absolutely something that I wish was around earlier when I had more more time on my hands. But now now that I have the time, it's absolute outlet for me to to get some education and, and really oh yeah you know, fulfilling walks around that that before they were uh, they were just not as simple. For sure, is there a good Bruce uh, Springsteen podcast? Uh, there are a couple. I, I prefer to listen to the music live than, uh, than, than, than to listen to people talk about them because I have my own opinions and, and maybe someday I'll be lucky enough to, to have a backstage uh, project podcast all about Bruce, but we're just getting warmed up. <laughs> all right. So getting back to uh, kind of what I really wanted, wanted to get into with you today, I know you quite well. I know you played sports your whole life and thinking back to kind of the beginning of your career, if I remember it correctly, you didn't exactly find your way into the industry kind of initially, but if you could talk a little bit about kind of that first opportunity when, when the door opened for you to have the beginnings of a career in sports, what, what was that like? I mean, it's, it, was, it started with the idea that I wanted to make content. It wasn't just sports and I didn't really call it content. I wanted to make stuff and uh, I probably thought of it more in video terms. But uh, after Western, I didn't want to go to uh, radio and television school. And in fact, there wasn't that many options back then, uh, about 20 years ago. So I figured I knew enough about sports so I could get in somehow that way. And I, and I was lucky enough to get an internship at the Fan 590, the radio station. 
guy named Chris Clark hired me. And then two weeks later, he took a job at the up and coming Leafs TV, Leafs and Raptors TV uh, that started at that time. So two weeks into my, my internship, I was kind of on my own and I was lucky enough to, to make some great friends there, um, including Gord Stellick, who I worked with closely during my time at the fan. And, and he opened up, uh, he helped open up a, a lot of doors for me. You know what, Gord, uh, Gord is a name that I remember from the past and, and thinking back, you guys were pretty tight. Why don't you talk a little bit about Gord and, and the kind of person that, that, that he is and, and at that time, you know, how influential he was in, in the world of sports. I think some of us yeah. have forgotten a little yeah. bit about it. Absolutely. Gord deserves all the credit uh, he can get. So he was the youngest general manager in Toronto Maple Leafs history. And uh, he kind of worked there for a long time with, with I don't know if you remember, the uh, curmudgeon that was the Leafs owner at the time, Harold Ballard. Oh, yeah. After his, his stint with the Maple Leafs, he went on to be an assistant GM with the, with the New York Rangers. And then when the Fan 590 launched in the mid-90s, Gord was one of their original hosts. And when I started, he was a big sports radio talk show host in, in Toronto. And listen, Gord is still around. He still works on the Maple Leaf broadcast, and he's still um, a personality in the city. But for those who don't remember, Gord is one of the, the top sports personalities in, in Toronto, at least, um, at one point, uh, did the Maple Leaf broadcast as well. And um, it's just a solid, solid human being, just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, creative, um, funny, and, and smart. Well, that's great. It's really important to, that you know, people like Gord were there for, for you. I mean, I had, I had people like that in my career as well. Also, the kind words that you have about—I mean, that's that's really a testament to, to the kind of person he was. I know the public figure and the and the private figure. You know, sometimes they don't they don't match up. But uh, I've I've always had a lot of respect for what Gore did and uh, how he was such a young GM of the Leafs and just was that bold to take that opportunity. You know, thinking about a couple other people that I know you know very well. You know, over the years, I've had the chance to meet you know, John Levy. I recall a few years ago, I had at a one-on-one lunch with Benji Levy a few years back there. You know, what they built at the score, you know, it's something that, that I look, look back on as really, really unbelievable at the time and, and still to this day. I think that moment when they sold off the TV channel to Rogers, we didn't know what the score would become and, and it hasn't stopped them at all. And they continue to innovate to this day. They're into a whole other part of their business from, from esports to betting. I mean, very, very impressive group, but, but you were there at a different time. So you, you were there at a time when they had the TV station, uh, they were absolutely doing things that were opening all of our eyes. Many of us were paying attention to it. Maybe not as much as, as the way we pay attention to things like what you're doing today, DK, but, they had this unbelievable ability to attract dozens of dozens of brilliant producers, talent, digital folks, and they provided all of you with the chance to do things that others just weren't doing. And when I say others, speaking in Canadian terms, I'm thinking, you know, the CBC, TSN, Sportsnet, like the things that you were doing at the score, uh, just they wouldn't even consider back then. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about the culture of the score? how it was this opportunity for you to, to experiment and, and become kind of the, the person that, that I think more so we, we see today. And, and if I don't have the story straight, you know, correct me and, and help, help me understand if it, was, if it was the people or if it was the leadership or it was a combination of both of those. 
so my story at the score kind of starts with uh with gord as well because gord was a host um at the fan but at night he would go and and he was an analyst on one of their hockey shows and gord got me a job um at the score i obviously knew the score really well because of sports scope when it first came out which i don't know if you remember was just a channel on your on your tv that updated the scores on a, on a loop oh yeah i remember that if the blue jays are, were playing you'd kind of wait uh for them to come back in the loop to see what the score was and where it was in the inning and this this is kind of just before the internet started after that uh their next incarnation was a tv a tv station as you as you mentioned uh but they were called headline sports just a loop of, of highlights and, and as a sports fan what else uh could be better than just a, a looping highlight reel it was it was amazing and john levy deserves a lot of credit for that it was kind of forward thinking as far as competing with uh tsn and sportsnet at the time um the niche that was headline sports set it apart by the time i got there um which is the early it was 2000 um anthony ciccioni was running the score and he had an eye for talent not just talent in front of the camera but he he knew what to look for as far as staff and um and he built a world for us really that we could be creative outside of the traditional things that you were seeing on on sportsnet and tsn and eventually there was an area at the score where cabby and i would work and tim and sid would work um adnan burke was there uh all these other great producers and 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 talented um creators really and and that was the magic for us uh the environment we were able to work in a place and and be different in um there's a guy named brendan lynch who really took basketball highlights to a, to a different level i think in canada by creating court cuts and um there was score 64 and all these kind of creative endeavors that um kind of set us apart and allowed us to do things that you may not have seen on on uh, traditional sports channels does that answer your question no thanks for thanks for bringing us into the moment i, I many of those names we all have come to know as quite prominent figures in our sports and entertainment mix day in, day out. You know, if you're, if you're up, in, up here in Canada, uh, there's one name that you mentioned and, uh, and I'm just going to say, you know, Cabral Richards, and that's all I'm going to say. And I, I'm going to let you take it from there for a bit. Yeah. So, um, when I started at the score, I started as a script writer. So we would write scripts for the host and, uh, all the games of the night were divided between two script writers. And my script writing partner in the beginning was Cabby. And uh, we hit it off immediately. He was kind of starting to do a segment that would be on Sunday nights where he would kind of go into the street and ask people um, about the national anthem and, and things like that. And I think it had only been on a couple times. And when I started pitching ideas to him of things that I thought that he could do, I believe the first one I pitched to him was uh, cabbie on the street hockey where we would go in between red lights in the streets of Toronto and set up a uh, pylons for net and I would go net and cabbie would challenge people and then when the light turned green we had to get out of the street and uh, and that was kind of our first hit segment and um, people talked about that for a long time and you know what Mark like after that is kind of a blur it's just like we had this partnership where I would come up with ideas and collaborate with cab and he would pitch in and 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 um kind of give his take on it and, and before you know it 
20 years later, we, we had this kind of running segment that had different incarnations. It was at first Cabbie on the Street, and then it was um, Cabbie Unlimited, a halftime show, and there was an all-star show with uh, athletes in front of uh, an audience. And then when we came to TSN, uh, it was, of course, Cabbie Presents. All right. Well, we'll you know what? We're, we're going to get back to some Cabbie stories, I think, yeah, as, as, we, as we go here today. What, you know, you and I, if I haven't mentioned already, I think we've known each other for maybe 25 years or more. Uh, oh, more. We met up in some rural setting in northern Ontario. Um, I can't remember the exact specifics, but we'll, we'll leave it at that. You know, and over the last 20 years, you know, since we were kind of adults, I'll call us, if we can use that term, you know, we've probably seen each other weekly, like the whole time at our, at our weekly hockey skate. We don't yep. have to get in. We don't have to get into that today, but that, that's a big part of the little culture in, in our group of friends. For sure. And for a few of those years, um, actually a couple times now that I'm thinking about it, we had a little bit of a funny crossover when you were kind of at the fan at, at Rogers Radio and I was more on the business side of Rogers, but that's not really as relevant as the time that we spent together you know, at CTV and, and TSN. I think that was like 2011 to 2014. We got to work relatively closely. You know, for, for the audience, just as a reminder, I mean, back then I was uh, I was on the digital side. I was leading digital at, at TSN. And my man, D, I mean, you were producing content. I know that everyone everyone loved. At the time, you know, it was generally more, more geared towards social. It was fun. It was cute. You still had, you know, the TV the TV part of your job was kind of the reason why you were there. You were, you were working on Off the Record and you were producing those cabbie segments for SportsCenter. But, you know, thinking about all that time together, and, and I left mid-2014, and, and from the outside, you know, looking back in, it seems like your star really has risen, you know, since I left. So, yeah, I you're welcome. I'm under your shadow. I needed to leave. You needed you to leave. No, I appreciate that, because I always thought it was just me dragging you down. <laughs> but, but, you know, thinking, thinking a slightly, slightly, taking a slightly serious view of this, if you can, you know, how would you describe your success at TSN going from that really interesting guy with all, with all these amazing ideas uh, that, that everyone loved, you know, all the way up and down that organization to, to what, what it looks like today? And again, from the outside looking in, and I'm, I'm absolutely biased, so... For the yeah, audience, I'm not an objective viewer of what my man D is putting out there, but it really seems like the personality of that network revolves not around you from a on-camera point of view, but but the people that are around you and the influence that you have on, you know, the, these younger these younger people, certainly younger than us, who are kind of the new face that are connecting day in day out with kids, millennials, like the people that really want to follow sports in a way that you and I absolutely did not grow up following sports. Uh, yeah. So, wow. That's a, a question with multitudes of, of levels. Um, <laughs> do your best. I mean, we're not, this my is, best. Uh, there's not going to be a yeah. test after for anybody. Yeah, These are hard hitting questions. So just to, to backtrack. Yes. I, I when I was at, I uh, came to TSN to produce cabbie and to produce uh, the long running talk show off the record. So, Produced off the record, and then um, as off the record went off the air, uh, I continued to produce content. And if you go back, I guess, to the reason I got into this in the beginning, it wasn't sports. It was just to produce, to make stuff that entertained me. And I started doing that. Uh, I'm sure you remember we, we brought Will Ferrell to Winnipeg 
as uh, in his character, Ron Burgundy, and he, he joined curling there. And it was great, and we had so much fun doing it. And of course, at the same time, we were doing these cabbie segments. And a lot of the stuff that I wanted to produce at that time, the, the, the personality, fun, entertaining stuff, um, well, it didn't really fit into linear TV so much. I mean, it, it may appear on linear TV, and, and if you're watching SportsCenter that day, you may, you may have caught it, but there was no real life to it afterwards. So I believe these are even conversations you and I had on, on a regular basis and really became the impetus for creating some type of platform where we could create things that would have a life as well as aggregate all the great content that was out there. And, and other other people were putting out, and I guess what you're getting to that that became Bar Down. Bar Down was kind of a turning point for for launching kind of new original content at TSN uh, with a with a bunch of young people being able to provide their creativity to to that machine as well as a, a vehicle to kind of showcase other fun creative stuff that was happening in the world of sports. Well, I'm going to challenge you a bit. So bar down is a, is a good and safe answer, but it's, it's not the full answer. So, and where I'm going with this is you know, sports center, the flagship brand of the network runs hours and hours a day, all tied to the, the model of TV, which is average minute audience. I mean, I get it. You and I both get the TV business and both of us have agreed over time in various conversations and, you know, mission statements that, we understand the machine and we respect yep. the machine, um, but the machine is not the future. And of course, we're seeing that today. It absolutely isn't the future, but still very much needed. But the flagship brand, SportsCenter, you know, when it comes time for SportsCenter to take an alternative format, and I'm not going to say that you were first doing this because you weren't, but I know how tough it is to do, I would say, net new things with with these key key points of, of, of the brand of, of a of a company like TSN. So you got Sports Center Digital Edition. And and they didn't give it to you know one of the Sports Center producers. They gave it to you. And so tell me about that. How how do you get the chance to shepherd that iconic part of, of this machine, which is TSN? Well, I mean, yeah, so it's more than bar down, right. I, I think you're right in saying that. That the, the content that I'm making is um, really if there's a mission statement for it. It's how do we move TSN forward for the next generation of fans, the next audience that's going to be, they're still going to enjoy sports. They still want highlights. They still want to cover their favorite teams. They want to learn about their athletes, but they may not be tuning into traditional linear TV. Um, well, part of that is bar down and, and creating content for that audience. Uh, the sports center brand is important. And I, I always understood that, that we needed to find a way to reach that next audience and, the solution to me was to go where they were. Clearly, Instagram is, is the platform of choice. And well, I guess we launched it in 2018, 2019. Um, and so we, we wanted to create Sports Center for Instagram at that time. And Digital Sports Center was born out of that. Um, it's a different tone, it's a different cadence than traditional Sports Center. Um, you've obviously got different rights issues when it comes to uh, Instagram compared to our linear broadcast pod. I, the mission statement there is if you watch that, you will learn what you need to know about sports as well as be entertained, just as you would on, on regular sports center. Why was it me to do that? I don't really think like that. It's just kind of, that's what I do. No, and I know that 
you're so humble in everything that you do. So I want to push you on another topic as well. So, and it's, it's about talent and, and what, what I've seen, we got to work together for the better part of uh, you know, three, four years. And of course I've, you've been at TSN for almost a decade now and you have this ability to take people and, and to know people who are good. I'd say good people at heart, creative individuals, and you have this ability to turn them into talent. So you have this eye for talent and I'm not talking about talent on the level of, you know, a, um, someone who's calling, you know, hockey games or basketball games. Yeah. Like these are people who can connect with the demographic that, that you're talking about. So talk to us a little bit about, and I'm going to, I'm going to label you, you know, your, uh, I'm going to call you a coach. I'm going to call you a scout. I mean, there's a bunch of these different terms that we can apply to what you're doing there at TSN, but you, you are cultivating talent at a scale that I just haven't seen any in any other organization in the sports and, uh, and entertainment business. So I, we weren't prepared to talk about this specifically, but yeah, uh, no, I, talk you know, this, about it for us. You, you kind of, you vaguely brought it up before we, we, we actually met. Um, this is where it starts. We met at summer camp. So these summer camps that we went to these overnight summer camps, this one um, would regularly have these talent shows. So you would have, everybody get up and perform for the entire camp all the time. We do this. Um, it begins there because that becomes f part of what you do. You want to entertain your friends with, uh, you know, the, the community that's at that camp and people start to shine through that same process is exactly what I use today. I'm looking for the same kind of personalities that we did when we were at summer camp, there's a charisma and there's a spark that, that these people have, um, that you began to see years ago. And it's the same type of thing that, that I will see now. And I'm like, okay, there's something in this person that, that shines. There's um there's a fire there. They're funny. They've got personality. They've got charm. I think that's a big part of it. Um, people pay attention to them when they're talking, they like listening to their stories. And I believe those are the same traits that then translate to, to different kinds of talent in, um, in front of the camera producing for those shows to me uh, are very similar to the shows I do today. Well, amazing how you can bring that back, you know, so succinctly. I mean, I, uh, looking back at the way I was back then, I was certainly uh, not the one who was, who was putting myself up on stage, although in that environment, and, and we're not gonna talk about summer camp, that I'm sure that could be about three volumes of this podcast series so we won't we won't touch it but for people who haven't kind of been to this kind of residential summer camp experience it is it is, it is such a unique culture that it is a little bit survival of the fittest um, but a lot of it is you're forced on an ongoing basis to get out of your comfort zone and so someone like me who's not instinctively at the front of the stage trying to command attention I mean even me I have the opportunity to go on stage and get out of that comfort zone. And that's a lot of what I see from social media today. A lot of the content that, that you're doing, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the talent that you're cultivating and coaching to be what they need to be, to be entertaining and engaging, but also the, the guests that you're having with people. These are not necessarily natural focus of attention kind of people, the people who want to be at the center. So that ability to make people trust you and to allow them to take to take them on this journey uh, is an incredible skill that obviously you have, but that that you're teaching to others. So congratulations on that. Thanks. Man. I mean, I, I, honestly, I think that sometimes that I'm not necessarily looking for the person that wanted uh, 
or had a desire to be on camera. You know, sometimes um, they may not even see it in themselves in a social environment. You, they might be a great storyteller though, and or have a, a sense of humor. But like I said, they have that charm, and and working with that uh, and, and saying, well, you know what? Like maybe this would be great if if we could turn this around and put the camera on you. Uh, like we did with some of the young kids who, who work for me, it'll resonate with a larger audience than just kind of your, your work friends or your, or your, your social group. And um, listen, it doesn't always work. There's, there's been some, some uh, cases where it just didn't translate, but when it does, uh, you can get some great unexpected talent. Well, that's great. Thanks for sharing those stories. And, and for those kind of joining us again, maybe midway through the podcast, perhaps that we're talking to, to Dave Cricks, who's, head of social on a whole bunch of other things at uh, TSN. I think we can still call it Canada sports leader. Now, DK, there's a few questions that we're just asking every guest uh, on the podcast. So if you had to pick one moment that is the most memorable in your career, what do, what do you got for us today? Holy, my most memorable moment. I mean, I guess it's, it's different categories of moments. Cabby and I shared some uh, incredible sporting moments from the World Cup in South Africa to seeing Kobe Bryant win championships in Orlando and Los Angeles. And speaking of Kobe, we took a helicopter ride with him once, which was an incredible moment for us. He took us on, a, on a, his helicopter to practice with him years ago. And, and a, lot of, a lot of our career kind of came before that moment and after that moment. Uh, the Raptors winning the championship in Toronto and being on... on uh, the championship parade bus with Pascal Siakam. That's a moment. I mean, it's weird coming out of my mouth and saying these things because like, I, I'm very lucky and, and blessed to have those moments. Um, but there's, they're countless slaves. Like there's so many things that I'm very appreciative of, you know, I know it's too hard to pick. It's too hard to pick, but you know, you did, you did mention Kobe and, and, and I think it's, it's worth, it's worth noting. I, I know when he passed, um, it, it, well, I of course just knew him as a as a hero on the on, on the screen and watching him at uh, Raptors games. I mean, you knew him very differently. And uh, when he passed, I mean, I, my my condolences to you were you know like you were you know, part of the extended family of of the Bryant. So maybe talk uh, a little bit about your feelings around around Kobe and uh, and, and what, what obviously he meant a lot to you and, and Cabby. And you've already very briefly spoken about that. But do you have any other things to say about about Kobe that that maybe um, you know? you think haven't been said well enough oh i i mean there's so much to say about kobe and we feel again very lucky to have had uh the chance of, i think we did almost 20 20 interviews with him over over his career and um listen kobe decided to give us time and he didn't have to and he didn't usually in fact a, a lot of american media didn't get the time that kobe gave to cabby and the interviews, the running interviews that we did with them that kind of got more and more elaborate over time. Um, we, we just are so grateful for that. And yeah, of course, um, when he passed, that was a shock, especially considering the way he passed as well. Uh, I'm sure it was a shock to everyone, but we, we felt it because we got to see him up close and personal all those, all those times. And he always made time for us, these Canadian kids, really, who had the silly segment on... Uh, this this sports channel called the score and he gave us the opportunity to to show his personality as well and he really really connected with cab he liked the chemistry that they had 
And he didn't have to do that. He's a massive sports star. Obviously, in, in the early 2000s, there may not have been a be bigger basketball player. And, um, and, and yeah, it's all kind of documented, which is great. You can see these interviews on YouTube. And I haven't really gone back and watched uh, most of them. Um, but I'm sure I will at some point. What you will notice when you do go and watch them is how engaged Kobe is and he gets to see a different side of his personality. Well, people talk about what a competitor he was. He was also a really funny guy. He had a, an amazing sense of humor and, and, and he, I think he enjoyed them. I think that's what, what came across in, in my mind more than anything that he enjoyed his time with us. So. Well, so thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, we'll, we'll all look back fondly on, on Kobe and thinking about, you know, those fledgling uh, sport personalities, content creators that maybe you and you and Cabby were back then thinking about today, or let's call it the not too distant future, people who are certainly younger than us that are just beginning in their career and they want to work in this space. What advice do you have to someone who, who I guess wants to be like you? The same advice I give myself, which is really, I want to make content that I would enjoy. I think of myself as the audience. If, if it's not something I would enjoy, why would I make it for somebody else? Uh, my advice is uh, often when I get to ask this question is make content you would enjoy. And often if you do that, others will enjoy it too. That, listen, that's, that's really good advice. And I think sometimes in life, whether you're a content creator, obviously the way that you are, or you're in a management position the way that I have been, I mean, it's difficult to always see that the concept of kind of the, uh, the, the imposter scenario comes to mind. Uh, I absolutely feel that I've been guilty of that over time. I'm sure there are moments in your career where you didn't create the content you wanted to create, but you know, you were being paid to do a job. And I think that that ability to know the difference between what is passion, what is work, hopefully the two forge together. I mean, these are kind of the tricks that we learn over the course of our career. So I want to kind of close with a question about, about the career, about you know, looking back to absolutely 20 years ago when, when you got into this and then fast forwarding to you know, 2020, is there anything that stands out to you that is something you wish you knew then that you really know well now? Oh man. I don't know. I wish, I wish I knew to invest in Facebook <laughs> or Apple. Apple. <laughs> I mean, and, and we joke about that, but like, we started making this content that was perfect for some of these platforms before they existed. The cabbie segment specifically was like five, five minutes, six minutes long. It was made for YouTube. Um, I guess I wish we invested a little bit more in that early on and not just for linear. I'm fully engaged in digital right now, fully engaged. I believe that's where content is going, obviously. Um, and that is the future of everything. I guess my only thing I probably would have done was engage harder in that at the launch of some of these platforms. I'll tell you this and, and where that lesson has really worked out for me is now when something new comes on, comes along, um, I'm immediately trying to engage with it and find out what Avenue it has for me in, in sports and TSN. So where does that apply? Take Twitter when Twitter first came along. And often people said things, if you remember, why would I, why would I write about what I'm having for breakfast? And then 
Instagram came along and people are like, why would I take a picture of, of what I'm having for breakfast? Well, you know, you skip forward a few years and those are two of the most powerful platforms in the world, in media. Um, and obviously people found ways to engage with them. These days, <laughs> the breakfast analogy doesn't really work, but these days people are like, why would I be on TikTok? Well, eventually you're going to find a way if, if this platform continues to grow the way it's growing uh, to engage with it in your industry. So I want to be not reacting to that anymore. I kind of want to be on the ball with it. To be fair to you, I think, you uh, I think you've been doing that the entire time I've known you. You've always been looking not to what's next, not because you had a problem with today, but because you, you knew that things were progressing at a pace that the organizations we worked for absolutely couldn't adapt to. All respect to the organizations that we work for, because that wasn't their business. But I wanted to thank you for, for allowing us to you know, peer into your world, maybe take some questions that you don't really get asked day in, day out. But that's the point. I mean, that's the point of, of the Backstage Project podcast. We want to get inside of you know, what has made your career. What are those things that have happened, those people that have influenced you, that have given you the platform to not just excel in your career, but to delight millions of fans, and I believe around the world. So, uh, DK, thanks so much for joining us. Slaves, thank you. Um, nice to see you as a host. And also, you know, obviously, thank you for this, but thank you also for being a great supporter and visionary in your own in your own way. Bar Down would not exist if it was not for you really pushing that initiative and, and kind of being a forward-thinking manager. And, and that's who you are. You were a digital manager who was not just content with the, the platform that you had at the moment. So... Uh, your vision uh, is as important to everything that I've done over there as well. So thank you. You're welcome, my friend. The Backstage Project Podcast is brought to you by Ready, Set, Go. They help organizations create extraordinary digital products. To learn more, go to readysetgo.design. If you would like to get in touch with Mark and the team at the Backstage Project Podcast, please email us at info at tpbpodcast.com. At